Bitch, don't play no games with me. It was never about the fame to me. It needed the best, so they came to me. Whoa, who the best in this thing? Tell them, yeah, that's me. Tell them, who bring the fire? Say, yeah, that's me. Who make it flip? Culture Khan, what up? How are we doing today? Now listen, I know you just had lunch, but my girl Randa just pumped you up, so I need a little bit more than that. Culture Khan, how are we doing today? There we go. That's the type of energy we need. I appreciate you guys participating in that. I saw you guys stretching and punching and lunging. I realized a couple of you, you bailed out when we started doing jumping jacks. I saw a few of you like, nope, not me. But it's good to get that energy. It's good to be, what does it feel like being in a room like this though? Huh? How does this feel right now to you? Being in a room like this with all of this good energy. This is one of the things that we always wanted to create with Culture Con, is we were always frustrated at the idea that we were in a room with people who are scared of the other people in the room who were scared of them. We talked a lot about mental health and we talked a lot about vulnerability and before I even get into what I'm gonna talk about today, I wanna acknowledge this because uh, a couple years ago when we did Culture Con, as Dan alluded to, we asked people a bunch of questions about their mental health and all those different type of things and we said, how many people are going through these challenges? And about half of the people who participated said they were going through these challenges. But then they also said that they were unlikely to talk about these things. They were unlikely to really be vulnerable about these things because they were afraid of the other people. And so our thing was, is why in the world would we create rooms where people can't feel safe and healthy in them when we all desire to feel safe and healthy? Why would we create a room where people who are going through things are scared of talking about it when they're in a room with other people who are going through things. And that was our commitment, that it didn't have to be this way, that we could create a different room where people could come together and we could feel good to, with each other. We can love on each other and we can be happy with each other and we can feel safe around each other and we didn't have to deal with all of those masks that we have to wear all the other time. So I hope you've appreciated that moment about today and our goal to try to create that safety. And the other thing that we want to talk to you about is how do we project these type of things? Because one of the other things that is a frustration of mine is that in our good, old, humble, Midwestern way, we are not great at telling people just how great we are. The one thing I love about this community is that we have such special people, we have such beautiful people, and sometimes we don't always do the best job of sharing that. But the secret's out. Right? People are coming, people want to come to this beautiful community that we have. And I think it's important that we start to get a little bit better about telling our story and what it is that we do, particularly now, because you, don't, you need it now. It's one thing to talk about it because it's a good tactic. It's another thing to talk about it because you need to. It's another thing to talk about it because you must. Because the way that we engage with each other, the way that we cut through all the noise, the way that we cut through all the negativity, the way that we find the right people who are supposed to be around us and with us as we pursue these goals is going to be telling our story, telling people who we are. 
so that they know that if they come and they join us, if they know they come and participate with us, if they know they come to be a part of this family, they're going to be safe. They're going to be taken care of. They're going to be uplifted, and they're going to be developed. So as we talk about what we're talking about today, we want to get into the idea of how do we start to tell our story in that culture of content. When Dan was talking, he mentioned how we figured it out, how we were sitting in a room, figuring out how we could start to tell our story. And then as an event-based business that does events like this, workshops, we work in organizations, we saw our calendar go to vapors. Poof. We were excited, all these great things we were going to get to do, and our whole year just vanished. What are we going to do now? Luckily, we happen to be the type of folks that don't sit and soak. We believe in figuring it out. In fact, if you look at our job descriptions that we have when we hire, one of the highest level skills that we ask for is the ability to figure it out. It is a requirement to be on a Think3D team because there's a lot of stuff going on and we need people who are truly committed to figuring it out. But as we start crafting our story, we realize that not only were we not fully in position to tell the story, but a lot of people that we were engaging with were not as well. And so we went about the business of helping those folks figure it out as well. It created a new revenue stream for us. It gave us the ability to be able to produce this content that you're seeing today. Uh, first of all, shout out to the content team uh, at Think3D, at Thinker Studios. Please give them some love. But we want to think about how do we democratize this, right? How do we all start telling this story? Because as a person who believes in building community, as a person who wants Sioux Falls and the surrounding areas to be at the highest level possible for us to be one of the greatest places to live, we have to participate in this. So here's where we start. And the first idea is this. You have to be able to tell your story. You have to be able to tell your story to those you serve, to those you seek, and then you got to tell that thing again. So when we talk about the idea of telling that story to those you serve, a lot of times we don't think about internal communications. We don't think about internal marketing. Now, we deal with a lot of different organizations. And one of the biggest misconceptions about Think3D is that we work with organizations that have bad cultures, and that's just not the case, because people with bad cultures don't call us. In fact, we work with some of the better ones in the community, people who really care, because if you're winning, if you're making the money, if you're doing the stuff, if clients want you and you still want to get better, that's the type of culture that you want to be a part of. Some people can't see things breaking until they're broken. And that's why you want to be with leaders that acknowledge that there's always an opportunity to get better and they want to figure out how they do that. So one of the things you have to be able to do is tell the story of what is happening and what it is that you're trying to accomplish within your teams. And so one of the questions that I always ask to test against this is why should I care? We ask people to come into our organizations and care as much as we do. And why in the world would they do that? Are they going to reap the same amount of spoils? No. Is it their vision or their dream that they're realizing? Maybe somewhat, but for sure not totally. What is it that makes us have the expectation that people come into our organizations and care about what we're trying to do as much as we care about it, especially when they don't hear us talk about it. 
especially when they don't hear about the stories that fueled us. I remember sitting in the cubicle years ago, and I was sitting across from my cube mate, and I'm staring at him while he's on the phone. He gets off the phone, and he's naturally weirded out, because <laughs> I've been staring at him for the last couple minutes, and he says, hey, bro, what's up? I said, I shouldn't see you more than I see my wife. <laughs> He's like, okay. <laughs> I said, let me ask you something. Do you think that you should see this mug more than you see your wife and your kids? And he thought for a second, and he said, no, I don't. Now, the fact that he answered that way is not what surprised me. What surprised me was is that he thought about it. What a weird thing to have to think about. And what you realize was is that he was in a routine. He got up every day, came to work, did his work, went home, rinse and repeat. Got up every day, came to work, did his work, went home, rinse and repeat. That's what most people do. They're sleepwalking through work. They get up, they come to work, they do the thing, and they go home. If you're not engaging with people in terms of why they're there, what it is they're meaning to accomplish, what it is that they're there to do, I don't care if you work at a bank. If you work at a bank, are you taking money from people? Are you giving people money? Or are you helping them build businesses? Are you helping them create futures? I don't care if you're in construction. Are you laying concrete? Are you nailing together wood? Are you building homes and schools where people are going to be educated and commune and come together? What is the real reason why you are doing what you are doing? Why in the world would anyone care? Ask yourself that question. And whatever it is you come up with, you climb to your nearest mountaintop and you shout it from it. Because that's what people have to know. Why should I care? Why am I here? Because be clear about this, and we share this with all of our clients proudly. All of you, if you are in someone's employ, are underpaid. Now, you knew that when you came in here. But you are. You're underpaid because people can't pay you to what you produce. Because if people paid you to what you produced, there'd be no profit. That's the way it works. Like, how many of you go to work every day, working hard so you can retire and have enough money? Raise your hand. Oh, we got some smart ones in here. You guys know this is a setup. <laughs> but what would you do if you had enough money? Right? What would you do if you had enough money? <laughs> he, went, he went right. Thank you for just laying that up for me so we can... <laughs> It's pretty safe to say that if all of you had enough money, you wouldn't be at work. Now, you might work, but you're not going to let somebody tell you when to take your break. <laughs> you're not going to let somebody tell you when to come in or when to leave, not if you had enough money. And so all of you are looking for enough money, but you're looking for enough money from a system that depends on you not having enough money. Because if you had enough money, you wouldn't come back. So why should I care besides the money? The money's not enough. 
Culture is currency. The difference between what somebody wants you to do and what they pay you to do is made up in culture. Why should I care? Second thing is, we all know this. This is a pretty straightforward theme. Stranger danger. We were all taught this when we were kids. Maybe not everybody. What I'm starting to realize is, because we have a young office, is that my references don't land the same way anymore. <laughs> you know, there's no more challenging time when you just drop a banger of a reference and no one gets it. You know what I mean? I could quote like Ferris Bueller's Day Off or whatever great movie, and I just get blank stares from these youngins. I appreciate them, though. But stranger danger, basically what it comes down to is this. If you don't know the person, you don't go with them. This is what we were always taught. If you don't know the person, you don't go with them. The same is true of work. The same is true of leadership and life. If I don't know you, why would I follow you? I don't know what your values are. I don't know what your principles are. I don't know what you care about. I don't know what you want to do with this money that we're all working so hard to make. If I don't know you, I'm not going to follow you. Stranger danger. Make sure your people know who you are. Now, there's a temptation as a leader to be strong and stoic because you don't make mistakes. You're not afraid. Well, I've been around enough leaders to know that that is absolutely not the case. There's a lot of imposter syndrome in this room. And that's not because you want it. It's not because you're arrogant. Partly because we haven't done a good enough job as a community to build your confidence, to tell you how great you are, to tell you how smart you are, to tell you how special you are. It breaks my heart in some instances being around people who I know are so brilliant and they don't walk in their light because they're not fully committed to what it is that they can do. And it's only until you start telling your story because it's worthy. It's a story worthy of being told that you start to develop that confidence. And only in that vulnerability do you create an opportunity for people to actually make real, tangible conversations, real, tangible relationships, to know that somebody goes through what you go through. The other piece of it is do yourself a favor and tell people you don't know what you're doing. Do yourself a favor. The very last thing you want to do is give people the impression you are infallible. The very last thing you want to do is make people believe that you got it all together and you make mistakes. Listen, there was a 50 mistakes today. I want you to know that. We tried to fix as many as we could. Some might be different, some might not be. Not. I want you to know that because I don't want you to ever have the expectation that we don't make mistakes because we will surely disappoint you. We make mistakes. We just own them and we try to address them and we try to get better from them. That's what I encourage you to do with your people. Let them know when you don't know the answer and that you have to figure it out. That's how you develop the skill. Because even though you might be able to justify you looking like you have it all together, the last thing you, don't, last thing you want to have happen is the people who report to you to take on the posture of I got it all figured out. Because then you have a group of people who are not in position to learn because they convince themselves that they don't need to. Stranger danger, let people know who you are. Let people know who you stand for. I want people to know the man that I am and the person they're going to spend time with, the person they're going to do life with, because when all else fails, Vani is going to do Vani's stuff. And I want you to know what that is so you understand who you're with. 
And I need to know who you are so I know who I'm with. I'm not going to come into an office I help create so I feel unsafe. That's not happening. And I would expect the same for all of you. Stranger danger. People won't follow you if they don't know who you are. And then this piece of it is pretty simple. If you don't tell your story, other people will. People may be familiar with our major phrase here at Think 3D, which is a culture will emerge whether intended or not, but if it's not one that you invest in, it will be certainly one that you pay for. The same is true of your story. If you do not tell it, someone else will tell it for you, but a story will get told, and people always fill in the blanks negative. If all of you right now got a text from your significant other and it said, we need to talk, where would your mind go? Some of you are sweating right now. <laughs> I suggest you talk to someone when you get home. But it's a situation where we have to craft our story. We have to tell people what we believe in, who we are, how we feel about our clients, how we feel about our team, how we feel about the people who are around us, how we feel about our talent. If you lose talent, if you lost somebody in the last couple years that you could really use, that you thought was really beneficial to your organization. I want you to go back. I want you to scan your mind. And I want you to ask yourself, how many times did I vie for this person's energy? How many times did I try to convince this person how important they are to what we're doing? I ask this question often from, uh, uh, from teams that we deal with. How many people in your organization can make a million dollar, half a million dollar, quarter million dollar expenditure. How many of you would say less than 1% in your organization can make a half a million dollar, million dollar expenditure? Raise your hand. Uh, if it's less than 5%, raise your hand. Less than 10%? Okay. Very few people can make that type of expenditure. What percentage of people in your organization can make a million dollar mistake? Every single body. 100%. Every single person in your organization can impact it in a way of similar significance than the very top of it. And if everybody can affect your organization significantly, that means that everyone in your organization and every role in your organization is significant. Make sure you're telling them that story. Make sure you're telling them the effects that they had on your customers and your clients and the things that you're doing. Speak it out loud. Nobody wants to stand behind someone who's too shy to talk about who's behind them. Talk about your people, talk about your clients, talk about your community, and talk about yourselves. That's the importance when we talk about the culture of content. I think we got some audio on this. I'm going to run that back. This right here is an example of one of the conversations we have in our podcast where we are introducing one of our new team hey, members. It's going to be a little bit different. We'll probably get into some good topics, but what I want to do is I want to introduce to you guys our newest member of the Think 3D team, Bree. So I'm going to let Bree, we're just going to kick it right off and we're going to get into this. I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Yeah, I am Bree Vanderpoel. I am from Sioux Falls. I started here like three weeks ago. I was like briefly on a podcast two weeks ago. So you might have seen me there too. But yeah, fresh face around here and it's, it's I love been it. awesome. And 
we also uh, celebrate birthday. We have some good news today, some big news today, and my phone keeps going off. Uh, we are actually launching a couple of things. First and foremost, it is uh, our very own Bonnie Hereri's birthday. So we're here <laughs> celebrating, <laughs> celebrating a, another year, another revolution around the sun. So 40, son. <laughs> 35. Yeah, I mean, like, you get to start. I'm gonna own now. it though. I'm gonna own it though. I'm not. I'm not gonna duck it. I'm. I'm happy to be forty. You know where I where I where I come from. Forty is a, it's a thing. It's a badge. It's a badge <laughs> of courage. <laughs> so I am. I am blessed, and I am happy to be forty. And I like being an adult. I like being a grown up. It's not a bad thing. It is. A, it is a good. Thing. So we want to talk about ourselves. We want to introduce our team. We want to talk about our teams. We want to talk about things that are happening, so the world can see it. Now. The other piece is, if you don't take a gym pick, do you even lift, bro? Right? People need receipts. You got to show receipts. <laughs> you got to show receipts. Tammy had talked earlier about artifacts, and that's a big part of it. If you're doing things, I'm sorry, I just saw my man Vince over there trying to take a picture, and he had the lens on. I can see it from the stage, y'all. I'm telling y'all, that's my guy right there. I love you, brother. But I said, he got the lens on. Anyway, appreciate you. <laughs> I had to. I was just it was staring right at me. Uh, <laughs> but you got to show your receipts. Listen, we go to clients all the time. We go to people all the time. They tell us all these great things that they do for our people. They say, we do this, we do this, we have this bonus, we have this package. We do this, we offer this, and all this other type of stuff. We do all these great things for our people. And then we're like, okay. Well, how do you tell them? And they're like, huh? It's like, how do you tell them that you do all these great things? Like, oh, well, you know, we send out a newsletter and we do a benefits thing. Now, just for the other people in the room, just keep it real. How many of y'all be really reading them newsletters? <laughs> right? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Guys, we got to tell people what's happening. Now, here's the thing. You can be doing all the things in the world. Like, let's say you have kids, right? Now, for your kids, what do you do for your kids? You feed them, you clothe them, you provide for them, you counsel them, you protect them, you help them heal, you put them in good situations. You do a lot for your kids. How many of you have kids that act like it? Right? Just because you're doing something for someone doesn't necessarily mean they appreciate it. It doesn't necessarily mean that they even understand that their experience might be atypical. When I tell you with no joke, we work with some of the best companies in the region. No question about it. I would stand on anything. But there's still going to be people within all of those organizations that are frustrated, that think the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, when we all know the grass is greener where you water it. Now, part of the problem is that even though these people have all these great things, now we know it because we've been in a business right before we came into this one, and we went to this business right after, and we know that this thing that you're experiencing, this relationship that you have, this equipment that you have, this facilities that you have, all these tools that you have, we know that that's atypical, but they don't. This might have been their only job that they've ever had. They don't know that when you go to the other place, they're not concerned about your mental health, your physical health, your emotional health. 
They don't know that when you go to the other place, they got shoddy equipment and they don't care about safety the same way the company that you with cares about safety. They don't know that when you go to the other place, they have maternity leave and fraternity leave, and they allow you to go spend time with your family, and they want to be flexible, and they want to let you go check the softball game or whatever it is. They may not know that. It's your job to tell them. Show receipts. Anything that you're doing, let people know you're doing it. When you're working in the community, let people know you're working in the community. I know you would do it anyway. I know you would do it if they didn't know, but they need to know. Because when I want to spend my dollars, I want to spend my dollars with people who are going to do good things with those dollars. That's what gives me the benefit. One of the things I love about this community, and I am deeply, deeply in love with this community. One of the things that I love about this community is that, and I live in downtown Sioux Falls. And yeah, you know it, <laughs> rep it. And I love downtown Sioux Falls so much. And I go to all of these businesses. And when I go in, the people who own them are my friends that I've grown up with or we have become friends over time. And when I get a drink or when I get a meal or when I get something, whatever, and I have to put that money in that envelope, I don't feel like I'm buying anything. I feel like I'm investing. I feel like I want you to be here. Let me put five on it. Let me put something on it. Let me contribute to it. I don't feel like money is being taken from me. I feel I'm getting to contribute to something that is valuable to the community. Because what else is the money for? What's the money for? And so if you're going to do all of these great things, tell people you're doing these things so they know where to spend their dollars, they know who they want to gauge with, they know where they can feel safe, and they know who they want to be around. You got to show receipts. Next thing is for your teams. People want to see what they say. People want to see what they say. Everybody here has been in a situation where someone has asked your opinion. And many of you have been in an experience where someone either did nothing with that opinion or made you feel something about that opinion, as if you were wrong to offer it, it made you feel unsafe. And as such, most people turn into clamshells when they're asked for their opinion going forward. We call it professional PTSD because you are more likely to run into a bad leader before you run into a good one. And so sometimes when you're sitting with your team and you ask them what their opinion is and they don't tell you anything, even though you know they have an opinion, it's likely because of previous experiences that they had. People want to see what they say. So when they say something, they want to see it somewhere. They don't even need to see it in action all of the time. But they do want to see that it challenged you. They want to see that it changed you in some instances. They want to see that it made you think. They want to see that you considered it. And then obviously the best version is they want to see it in action. They want to see it being done. People want to see what they say, because if they say it and don't see it, they'll stop saying it. And you cannot have an organization when you are in your office 70, 80% of the time doing all the leader stuff, if people are not telling you what is happening in the other parts of your organization, it will catch up to you. Those chickens will come home to roost. Make sure people see what they say. Last but not least, it's pretty straightforward. Don't assume that people are watching. Know that they are. 
They are watching you. When you go to lunch, when you got on your gear, when you're at the mixer, when you're at the thing, when you're at the baseball game or whatever, people are watching you. That's a fact. So you got to be on brand. So here's a tip. Be the brand. Right? Be the brand. Your brand should be genuine. Your brand should be real. Your brand should be honest. Your brand should be true. <laughs> Culture Con 1, I talked about the idea of wearing a hoodie. We talked about the difference between limitations and filters. How limitations are things that keep you from things that you want, right? Like you might want that big project, but you guys are late all the time, or you don't hit deadlines. Those are limitations, because it's keeping you from what you want. And how that's different from filters, where filters keep things that you don't want away from you. Like if somebody thought that we could really help their culture and environment to change the dynamics of their organization, and the reason why they didn't want to do business with us is because I wear a hoodie, that's a filter. I do not want to deal with that. But when you are upstart business and every dime counts, every once in a while you look at yourself in the mirror and say, should I just get a power blazer? <laughs> you know, should I just get a power blazer? I mean, one, one or two won't hurt. <laughs> and then you say, that's not who I am. I'm going to be on brand. I'm going to be who I am. So wherever I go, I'm consistent with the brand because I am the brand. Put it tight. If the, if the values that you talk about are really you, they should really be you all the time. All right. Now, here's a video where we talk about what's behind the scenes. What are we doing as we put together CultureCon? Because we always want to show our receipts, talk about what it is that we're doing, and also take time to talk about our partners as well. So we are on the way um, to the convention center, which is gonna be the host site for CultureCon. We're getting CultureCon situated. And as always, we want to step it up, we want to level up, and we have a lot of dope people in our network. And so we got with our friends at ClickRain, and we said we want to redo the logo because we want this to be super fresh. So they're about to show us a couple of options that they came up with. All right, we're going to check it out. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, you can see there that we were being very transparent. You can see me at the end tying up a bag of food, which was actually a burrito from Nikki's Taqueria, which is one of my <laughs> favorite things to do. Now, I could have made you guys think that I eat oatmeal and sat. Well, you know better. But <laughs> whatever, 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 okay? All right, next thing is the message, right? What is your message? And who is the messenger? And then what is the method? This is one of those things that we don't think about. The message matters, the messenger matters, the method matters. 
So the message, we talked a little bit about that. I won't spend a whole lot of time on that. Cultivate that message, right? What do you want people to know about you? What it is that you want them to know about where you work? What do you want them to know about who you serve? What do you want them to know about what it is you're trying to accomplish? But the other thing is being important about the messenger. Messengers need to be diverse, the people who are telling your story. Sometimes it needs to be you, the leader. Sometimes it needs to be your people. Sometimes it needs to be your clients or your customers. Sometimes it needs to be your critics. Tell your story in diverse ways so that it can truly be real and honest in 360. Make sure you give voice to the other folks in your organization and allow people to be stars. I worked for an organization previously that employed about 330,000 people. Now, just based off of the numbers, there were hundreds and hundreds of geniuses working and walking through their buildings. And no one was looking for them. There were brilliant people all throughout the building. And no one was looking for them because they thought they already had them. They had somebody who was brilliant at this, doing that. Do you know how many writers are waiters? How many people who are brilliant at one thing that are stuck in doing something else because they needed a job versus from somebody connecting with their talent? You have people in your organizations that are ambassadors in ways that you may never be able to be. Find those people. Now, that doesn't mean you always have to shift their position, but give a person the opportunity to utilize those skills, to utilize that magic that they have, those natural abilities that they have. And not only will they be successful at it, but it will drive them, it will propel them. Because people are like oak trees. The further it is they feel like they're gonna grow, the deeper it is they set their roots. You have to give people a path to growth and development. And then last but not least, the method matters. We got to refresh how we do this thing. It can't just be newsletters. It can't just be emails. And quite honestly, the way that we know our people, and some, some, some don't know their people, the method is bigger than you might realize. Right now, there is a leader, so-called, that is sending a three-paragraph email to one of their people that's dyslexic. That person right now is trying to read that email having a traumatic experience. They're not really going to get the content. They're going to get feel, feel bad that they don't. And they're likely going to feel too embarrassed to tell somebody that they have a learning disability that's keeping them from getting the email. But meanwhile, we just keep pumping them out no matter what the results say. We're just going to keep sending these three paragraph emails no matter the fact that people don't engage, no matter the fact that people aren't excited. We just keep pumping them the same thing. We gotta be creative. We gotta think differently. And Think 3D, we don't believe in thinking outside of the box. We believe there is no box. It's all on the table. We're gonna figure it out for real. In fact, let's do a podcast right now. Shall we? That was lame. Thank you. I know it's after lunch, but my goodness. All right, so we're going to get the team up here. We're going to set something up. We're going to have a little podcast fun. I think we're going to have some time to have one or two of you lovely folks out there as guests. 
it's like the price is right, right? Like you get to come as a, part, as a, as a guest, but you might be a participant. Isn't that fun? So give it up for the beefy guys right here who are moving the furniture. I appreciate it. Okay. Uh, we're going to have a great conversation. I know Tamian is super nervous right now. I've been notorious for going over time. So I know he's nervously checking his watch. But I, I promise we can get in there. <laughs> no, 39-13. It says it right here. Okay. So we're going to have a little podcast. We're going to have some people join us here. We're going to go on that side. Oh, I'll go middle. I'll go middle. Okay. What should we talk about, guys? Well, I'll tell you what. You know what, Chris, since you're up here, can I borrow you? Yeah, sure. Okay, why don't you have a seat? We're going to start our podcast right now, and um, this podcast uh, will be available later. So we're actually going to make this a real deal. Uh, now, for those who do not know, this is my friend Chris Hintz here of Pinnacle Productions. Please get up for Chris. Now, when we talk about figuring it out, and we talk about probably one of the greatest examples of people who figured it out and really excelled um, was uh, Pinnacle. Uh, you know, when everything went away, you guys not only delivered and hybrid solutions, but you excelled. I mean, like, <laughs> in a really, really major way. And a lot of the most quality things that we saw during that time came from you and your team, which I believe has grown during this time. So. <laughs> yeah. Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, I think obviously last year the word pivot, every time you hear the word pivot, you're supposed to put a quarter in the jar and I think we should all be able to retire by now with that. Mm -hmm. So um, I was actually doing a site survey uh, in the middle of March last year. I was driving out to Grand Falls Casino to help another client with their event and we got a call from their corporate managers that said, hey, we have to pull the plug on this event this year. We all kind of knew it was coming, we just weren't sure you know, when it was going to hit us. And uh, long story short, that was the first of many phone calls that we felt our fielded that day. And uh, in my drive from 8.30 a.m. from our offices here in Sioux Falls to my drive back at 11, we lost $400,000 worth of revenue. Mm. So we had two national tours cancel and then all of these other corporate events that, you know, were pulling the plug because they were being cautious. That's a lot of zeros, man. That's a lot of zeros. And Many people can't bounce back from that. No. And uh, to be quite frank, I mean, my first phone call was to my business banker. And it was a very real phone call that I don't think any business person wants to make. It's quite simply, we're not going to be okay. We, you can't take a $400,000 drop in, in two hours and expect things to be okay. Right. And his uh, words of reassuring were, you know, Chris, this isn't anything any of us could have anticipated. And I feel like that's one of the main reasons why we all have to have grace with one another. Because the business community, the climate, you know, what happened in the last 18 months, no one could have anticipated. And he goes, it wasn't that you guys were, you know, poor managers of your business, you weren't scaling properly, you weren't in control of your finances. It's because the rug was basically pulled from under us. Yeah. So that was the first phone call. And then it was two weeks of not sleeping, <laughs> trying yeah. to figure out where we're going to be, you know. So we were very grateful and fortunate to have some really good coaches and mentors that kind of helped us through that process, but also, you know, for some of the, the funding, the PPP, and, 
you know, our industry especially was hit hard mm -hmm. as a lot of those people here in the event industry obviously was decimated. So to be able to have that PP funding, PPP funding, I'm sorry, and then reinvesting in our team. So every single member of our team was learning everything in and out about Zoom, everything about all of these other platforms, uh, fundraising platforms, Whova, all of these other things. And so we just took a deep dive in that, knowing that the event industry was not going to go away, but how the content was being delivered was going to change. And yeah. so the, the people who were out there putting out great content were going to be in demand. And during what should have been, and it's still, I mean, it was still a struggle, don't get me wrong, it was a big struggle. But instead of being down 75% where we were trending, we ended the year down 30% and actually made more money mm -hmm. than the year before in profit because we were watching our P's and Q's a lot stronger. So Yeah. So you, yeah, give it up. So you talk about in that moment, like you make the calls, you're talking to your coaches and doing all those other type of things, but then you say you reinvest in your team, like which at that time seems nuts. You know what I mean? A lot of people were still furloughed. A lot of people, you know, weren't having a whole lot of work. And, and a lot of people just said, you know what, let me just border up a little bit and see if I can come back, right? It sounded like there was some determination there. But tell me about what, how you d developed the moxie to reinvest in your team to double down on push sure. through? Well, uh, I'm a huge Walt Disney fan. And Walt lost his fortune multiple times before he became independently wealthy and is the person we know him today. And we had been throwing this curveball, obviously. And we were like, okay, if we go down, we're not going down without a fight. We're going to figure th some things out. We're going to make some changes. We're going to put the gas on. And uh, we as business partners, Jeff and I, like we didn't care at all if we were profitable. We just wanted to keep our team employed because when you hire people, and this is the one thing that's difficult because a lot of times you don't hear from ownership. You hear from you know, disgruntled employees. Every single person we hire, we take that as a very real responsibility. So them paying their house payment, them paying their car payment, watching them get married, watching them have kids, that's something that brings a lot of joy and yeah. gratitude to us as individuals and as bosses. So when we take on the responsibility and the obligation and the opportunity to have that person join our team, it means a great deal to us. So we want to make sure that we invest in them and you see those returns. I mean, this room today looks amazing. And mm. a part of it is, is, you know, the vision that you and Bree and Daniel and everybody at Think3D did. But, you know, those guys sitting over the table, they're the ones that deserve the credit for all of this stuff that happens. Yeah, it's not buddy. leadership. It's the people that you hire and trust. So. And, you know, we, I, I can't see us ever doing Culture Con without you guys <laughs> because just the level of professionalism is uh, tip top and it looks gorgeous as well. But give me a moment real quick, and this will be my last question for you. Give sure. me a moment and just tell me where you were at personally, you know, mentally, man. Like, you know, you have a lot on the line. Sure. You're doing the right things. You know what I mean? Like, you're doing the right things. You're doing the things that you were taught to do, the things that make sense. You were sound judgment and all of that to kind of go away. And you're in that place where people are dependent on you to eat. Like, this is, re this is real. Yeah. And a lot of times there's a very little bit of empathy for leaders. People feel like if you make the most or if you're at the top of the food chain or whatever, that, you know, it's all smooth sailing for you. 
But when you have to not only think about how you're going to feed your family, but how you're going to feed a bunch of families, that takes a toll on you. So tell me where you were at mentally during that whole thing. <clears throat> well, Dan talked about it earlier, about, you know, how important mental health is, and it's, 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 it's extremely important. Mm -hmm. And there were probably four or five days where, mm -hmm. you know, during the early parts of the pandemic where, you know, I, I was sitting on the couch and was watching way too much news. Yeah and watching too much Facebook and that, that self-doubt, you know, like, is this what's going to take us down? Like, we've worked really hard to get where we are, and now all of a sudden you go from money to zero money, and how are we going to pay all these people, and what are the best options? You know, was furlough the best option? Was unemployment the best option? And to be quite frank, yes, in that scenario it was. And so we wanted to do right by our people. But it was four days, and my wife came out at like 3.30 in the morning, and uh, my dog was like, both of my dogs were laying next to me, and they, they think they have this sixth sense when something's not right, to like hang out and make sure you're okay. And she comes out, and she's like, babe, are we going to be okay? Mm. And I broke down. Mm. Like, you're supposed to be a provider. You're supposed to take care of things. And, and as a business leader and as a husband, you know, our primary goal is to take care of ourselves and the yeah. people that we love. And uh, that was a very difficult thing. But looking back, um, our team did grow. Our team grew by leaps and bounds. And you talked about the ability to develop different revenue streams. But I think the most important thing that happened during the pandemic is it solidified relationships that we have with the business community, with our partners, just like you guys, and making sure that our team was taken care of. And we are just like everyone else. Like we all have these negative tapes that play in our brain and our job is to take that negative tape and crush that sucker. Hell yeah. So. Appreciate you. Give it up for Chris. Thanks. All right. So uh, I need another guest, maybe two. Let's get a hand up if you're willing to get up here and be one of my illustrious guests. Okay, now listen, I can't see people, so Dan, I need you to find one of these lovely people with a hand up, though I'm not seeing many hands. Uh, yes, who, who's back there? Let me hear, let, yeah. Yeah, let's go. Give me two, give me two. Get on up here. What do we got? You got the other one? Who? Come on up. Okay, we're just gonna see what happens. <laughs> this is one of the beautiful things. Like I said, stay on brand, right? Have a seat. Yes, we'll just hold them on to the side. We'll keep them up. Let me get another person in. We'll hold everybody else to the side. We should be able to get more folks in here. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing swell. How about you? I'm gonna go ahead and this? get this in the general mouth region <laughs> so we can. Can I do this? That does work. Well, now, I got, now what am I supposed to do with this? Beautiful. <laughs> Improvise. Oh, yeah, you got to go around. Yeah, it's yes. a longer journey than you think. It is. Yeah, just come on up. Uh, while we are talking, let's start with you. Tell the people who you are. Uh, my name is Peter Houck. Uh, I'm the community manager for Startup Sioux Falls. Yeah. Now. 
Startup Sioux Falls uh, have a seat. We're going to talk with you in just a second. Right. Startup Sioux Falls um, is, is an amazing, well, tell people what Startup Sioux Falls is. Yeah, so uh, simply put, Startup Sioux Falls is uh, an organization that tries to make it easier to start a business in Sioux Falls. That's, uh, that's really as uh, simple as it is. It was uh, started by the Chamber and the Development Foundation as an initiative of uh, Forward Sioux Falls, if you guys know what that is. People know, I can't see anything, so I'm just going to ask you, say, hey, raise your hand if you've heard of it, because uh, I can't see you, so I'm assuming everybody raised their hand. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we provide uh, programs, events, networking opportunities, resources for entrepreneurs uh, in Sioux Falls to make it a little easier, as you know. Yes, a fun fact. Uh, Think 3D started out of Zeal, which was um, uh, uh, what was Startup Sioux Falls was previously known as. We were in a little broom closet, Tammy and I in a couch uh, that we still have to this day, much to the chagrin of Bree in our office. Um, she's trying to get rid of our couch. I'm not going to let her do it. Uh, it's more of a futon type thing, so it's a little frat housey. But um, so we started off there, and. We obviously grew up and grew out, but you all have gone through a change as well. So as we talk about the change and figuring it out what was going on, obviously, Zeal became Startup Sioux Falls. Tell me about that whole situation, what went into that change and all those type of things. Yeah, so if you look at the name, Zeal Center for Entrepreneurship, uh, you imagine a building, right? And uh, so we, we're, we're less of a building and more of an ecosystem organization mm -hmm. is, is what, uh, what we're saying. So um, a building is a place that you go to, to receive services, to you know, interact with people. An ecosystem organization is something that kind of wraps around the community and builds a community uh, wherever it exists. Mm. And uh, for us, uh, a big part of where that community exists is downtown Sioux Falls. Sadie Spears in here somewhere, and I'm, I'm expecting it. There, there's it. <laughs> Uh, so we're moving. We're moving downtown. Uh, we're, we're trying to build a community of entrepreneurs uh, because entrepreneurship uh, is lonely. And uh, as, as uh, an organization focused on helping entrepreneurs, we're trying to make it so that it's a little bit less lonely, a little bit more achievable. I love it. 15-second plug for the people. For Startup Sioux Falls? Yeah, you yeah. better go, so start, Startup Sioux Falls, uh, we have programs and events. We have an accelerator program. If you have an idea for a business, if you have a business that you recently launched that you need some help gaining some momentum, we have a, an accelerator program called Co-Starters that has been a huge benefit to our community. We've had two cohorts graduate so far. Uh, we expect to do another one uh, before the end of the year. We also have a mentorship network. If you are someone who uh, is a entrepreneur, is aspiring to, to open a business, or if you are an entrepreneur and you, and you need some help, you need some guidance from maybe someone who's been in your shoes before, uh, apply for our mentorship network. We also have a co-working space, uh, so like if you need a place, you bro. need to work a place to work. That's where you do it. It's like you know, it was easy thirty seconds. Yeah, I know Tamian's watching the watching the clock on me. I'm yeah, sorry. you're my guy, though. I appreciate <laughs> you. Thank you. Give it up for Peter. All right, you got to get out of here now. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you. Hello, and tell the people who you are. Hi, my name is Sadie Keegan. Um, I'm here with Ace Academy. That's where I work. Woo. Yes. Shout out to Ace Academy. For sure. So what is it? What has that been? Because Ace Academy is fairly new. I mean, really, the most of its growth has happened in the, the, the COVID world. Yeah. Um, and creating a situation of, of uh, a different form of education, a representative form of education. Tell us a little bit about that, your experience there and how you all were transitioning during this time. Um, so I 
first heard about ACE uh, as a parent and having a brown child and thinking how cool it is to have something like that in our community where I know Qual, who is also a member of our little unit, um, had mentioned that representation really matters and that's something that was huge for me growing up. I also come from a small town Catholic school. I'm the, I was the only one that looked like me in my school. So that was a pretty big thing. And I also um, am involved in early childhood education. So I had reached out to them and like just about education and bringing my child there. And oh, a couple months later, they had reached out to me, wanted me to come and kind of hear what they were all about. And so that was last, that was last winter. Uh, but I think they fared pretty well through the pandemic. Yeah, awesome. How was that for you personally in terms of? The pandemic? Yeah. Um, well, I worked at a daycare, so nothing was really too different. I still, we were technically um, critical. Essential workers. Essential, yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> whatever the word they were using. Um, yeah, so I was an essential worker, so I think that there was only like a week or so that I didn't have to work. Mm -hmm. A couple weeks, I guess. Uh, that we closed down just for precautionary things. But other than the mask mandate um, and just having to kind of stay in our own classrooms, you know, yeah. life was weird at that time, but I'm sure a lot of other people did not fare as well as I did. For sure. Mm -hmm. Give a quick 15, 15 second. Fi uh, <laughs> no, nah, it could be 20. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, 20 second uh, uh, commercial for Ace Academy. Um, so we're a small private school. Uh, we focus on equity and inclusion, uh, small classrooms, which is a huge thing. Um, yeah, we're awesome. And if you... <laughs> I'll put that on the billboard. Thank you very much. Give it up Thanks. for her. All right. Who else do we got back there? All right, come on down. Thank you. Have a seat. Okay. Oh, we got the big dog here. We got Jeff Griffin here, president of the chamber. We're going to leave the last couple minutes for you. You talking now. All right. <laughs> okay, so tell the people who you are. Hey, everybody. My name is Marcella Prokop. I'm the director of access and workforce opportunity at Southeast Technical College. Yeah. Man, 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 man. I went to Southeast. I dropped out, but I went. You went? You went? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Everybody has it, to start somewhere. No, it was great when I was there, for sure. Um, so now I, I, I actually have a, I have a deep love for, uh, for Southeast because I think sometimes we overlook institutions like that and the value that they have to the, to the community in terms of giving people access and the opportunity at secondary education and trade as well. Um, but there's been a lot going on there as well. Like, for instance, it's not STI anymore. There's a lot of changes going on there. Tell us a little bit about that and how you all have been figuring it out. Sure. So I think uh, one of the things that you talked about today, Vani, is that uh, you need to tell your story, right? And so just a little bit about Southeast Tech's story right now. We have changed from being an institute to a college. All of the tech schools in South Dakota, through legislation signed by the governor, have become colleges in the last couple of years. So that's great because we can compete then with those big dogs, those four-year schools, so often people think of as that's the way to go. 
but we're figuring out, like you said, that if people can come in and get some workforce training, they can solve some of those really big problems that we all as a community are trying to figure out. And by giving people diverse options, training, some general eds classes, uh, many of the skilled trades that we see need, like the healthcare industry, the construction industry here, we're figuring out how to be accessible to a lot of people. So that's, that's part of what we're doing right now, what we're trying to figure out. That's a big deal, that's awesome. Uh, 20 second plug. 20 second plug. So we've got some of the best tuition uh, rates in the state. You're gonna leave Southeast Tech without a ton of debt and you're probably gonna get hired while you're still a student. So to Vani's point about dropping out, maybe doing other things, there are opportunities to come in on day one and be courted by people who want you to come work for you. It's still good to go ahead and finish that education though because when you're done working that, that first job, then maybe you can move on into mm -hmm. something else, step up, be leader in other ways. Um, so there's just a lot of opportunities at Southeast Technical College right now. Yes, I'm actually on the advisory committee for one of the Southeast Tech lines, and so I support them a lot. Go out there and check them out. Thank you so much. Give it up. Thank you. Yeah. You can take it off. You can hold it. You can just, yeah, just, yeah. Let's not make it awkward. Kind of marched out here like Forrest Gump. You, know? you did. You know, but there in front of the microphone. Th that's what I would expect from the head of our chamber. I want to go get her. Well, I go in and get. Right. So tell the people who you are for those that do not know. So Peter's right. I can't see anyone, but my name is Jeff Griffin, and I am the president of the Greater Sioux Falls Chamber of Commerce. Yes. Give it up. Now, since you have um, come on, there have been, you know, there's been a lot of change coming on. I mean, you, like the mayor, probably picked an interesting time uh, to take a new position, to move your family, to do all of those other type of things. Because that's one thing I think when somebody takes on a position like you have, I don't think people think about all the auxiliary things that come with it, like you coming with your family, ingratiating yourself into a new community, and then trying to develop relationships in a lockdown. Right. You know. Yeah, so I, I get to, got to be the first chamber president to cancel the St. Patrick's Day parade. That was cool. <laughs> that was People like, are still as spicy about that one. People like their I, green beer around I here. know. And, and uh, yeah, I just gotten off the phone with my staff. Uh, I was out in the, in the hills with my son, and they said, the mayor wants to know if we're having the uh, St. Patrick's Day parade. And this was at a point when, when, you know, the answer was, well, yeah, it's outside. You know, what's the big problem? And then a half hour later, I was on a phone call with the governor, <laughs> we with Mike Pence, and uh, they were telling me that was the week everything was shut down. So, um, yeah, I got to break the ice that way. But what Vani's uh, describing is exactly the challenge we're going to have as a community of moving people to our community because we need more people. I mean, the growth is not going to stop anytime soon, and that's a that's a uh, unfortunately a big challenge to employers out there who everybody's fighting for talent. So we need to make sure we have, and I think a Chamber of Commerce with some other networks that we partner with are able to plug people into the community, whether it be with the school system. I know for myself, we have a 19-year-old son who's on the autism spectrum, so we want to make sure there were services available for him and finding the right people to help connect us um, was really meaningful. And that, that's, a, that's an easier lift for someone like myself, obviously, because I'm surrounded by resources just by the nature of my job. We need to make sure we have that reach 
for every category, every sector. Um, we're moving police officers from other states to our growing police force. So, and teachers, I, the list goes on and on. Make sure we're, we're welcoming those folks. So as businesses go to figure it out, give us one thing that they should really be focused on here in this next little bit that might be coming down the pike for us because there's a lot of things happening right now, a lot of noise. What is one thing from your vantage point that you think these folks need to really be focused on? Yeah. So earlier, we just talked about the, the workplace of the future, the present and the future. Um, I, I'm, I'm one to not overcomplicate things. The, the sometimes, so don't yell out if you've been a, a victim of not about to say. <laughs> but um, I think no matter what, people want, very simply, a safe place to work and to raise their family surrounded by genuine people. And, and the networks we have, I want you all to be sure that you're reaching out to the Chamber of Commerce or reaching out, uh, Peter was just up here talking about the entrepreneurial community, because we're going to make those connections on a grassroots effort with, with people moving to town. And we can't make assumptions that uh, new people to our country, new people to our state will have the same connections. So as, as granular as you can be, make sure we're welcoming people. Our young professionals always stands out as a shining star with over a thousand members. Uh, but within that 21 to 40 year old group, there's several cohorts. There's a big difference between a 21 year old dropout from Southeast Technical College and a uh, 38 year old with three kids. Uh, they need different, different pieces. And, and we're such a large community that but it's still an intimate community where people desire those, those connections. Well, now, because of the dropout remark, you only get a 10-second <laughs> plug. <laughs> so better talk fast, buddy. Really rapidly. <laughs> so um, the Chamber of Commerce has existed, have existed in our country since before our country existed. And I'm a historian when it comes to what a Chamber of Commerce does. We don't, we don't want to have all the answers. We don't have all the answers. In fact, I think our biggest strength is the differences of opinion between our members and, and folks from different sectors and folks of different demographics. So primarily, we can never take for granted the freedoms we have in this country to do business and to have religious freedoms and to have our freedoms. And I think a Chamber of Commerce stands at the core of that to be advocates for our community. Awesome, thank you. Give it up. So. Yeah, get out of here. All right. Well, so this is a small example that, I mean, we're talking about 35, 40 minutes that we've got to hear from so many different people, amazing things that are happening in this community, challenges and things that they went through, 40 minutes. Think about the type of stories that you all could tell. Think about the type of experiences and the things that you've accomplished that you can expose the world to if you have the courage and you spend the time and the energy to be able to do it. This is not a competitive advantage. It can be, but this is about our entire community telling the world who we are, saying that this is a place that you can be where every citizen can have the expectation of feeling safe, of feeling welcome, going to a place where they can work in a healthy environment where they know they're going to be taken care of. One thing I love about what's happening right now is that it's clear to me that none of you want to be in the rat race anymore, and you don't want to do dog-eat-dog, -dog, and we don't have to. The people in this room are my friends. I care about all of you. I enjoy being around all of you. I don't want to be at odds with anyone. So as we talk to each other and we tell our stories and we learn about each other and we love each other, we can create something different. We don't have to do it. 
the way anyone else does it. It just has to make sense for us. So I thank you very much. I appreciate you. Tammy is up next.